When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well met, fellow adventurers. It's time we shall be returning to the city of Twithick to to have to call in the to foot to our first task for Thane Forend, whose champion we now are, having won that tournament, where we shall investigate the secret of Stoneback Hill. Now this is the first major adventure for Swift they made uh, many many years ago many years ago it's the adventure that, that transitioned Swift from a hobby to to Matthew's full-time career and when it was first put out it was a it was a it was a a, a special fee just to access that but now it's grouped in with all the adventure, the adventure guild adventure. So you get it with everything else. Yeah, this is probably the adventure that made Swift. So it's it's quite important historically speaking. It's also a lot of fun. So anyway, now I'm reading. The, the description of it. When an official summons from Fane Poland is delivered to you by, by courier, you may, you're despised to discover that your presence is immediately requested at Twinned Keep, where the Thane himself wishes to speak with you. Speak to you about a matter of grave urgency. Here we go. There you can see this, this is section 2002. Which means it's a really old adventure. It's even older than... It's even older than the Caves of Westworld. Or at least the Caves of Westworld in their current form. When an official summons from Praying Poland is delivered to you by Cora, you are surprised to discover the presence is immediately requested at Chen Keep, where the Thane himself wishes to speak to you about a matter of grave urgency. You instruct the courier to return to Twinkeep and inform the Thane that you have received his summons and will be arriving shortly. After a brief visit to, boat, to a local bathhouse, where you wash away the grime of the city, you make your way to the eastern part of Twinkeep, to Twinkeep, the stronghold headquarters of Chisa's most powerful and influential Thane. 
Upon your arrival, you were immediately escorted to Dame Purin's private chamber, where he welcomed you with a broad smile as he meets you in a shoulder cross. Dame Purin's smile quickly fades and his demeanour becomes more rigid as he carefully explains what has led him to summon you to this meeting. I must be forward with my request, says Dame Porrent, for I am not afforded the luxury of time in dealing with matters like the one at hand. I trust the services of someone I can... I need the services of someone I can depend on, someone I can trust soup, and it should be plain that the someone I speak of is you. Name the feigning sign for a moment, as if carefully contemplating what he's going to say next. Your accomplishments and reputation precede you, Zoop. I have many eyes and ears about the city, and indeed throughout the kingdom. What has been known to me about, about you is most impressive. I seek to have your services at my disposal, for a situation is arisen that must be tended to at once. I would be most grateful if you were here, agree to hear me out this day, curious as to what the thing might be referring to. You cordially agree to what he has to say. Thane Poen tells you he has received several reports in recent weeks about bandits ambushing travellers on several of the forest roads north of the city. Mind you, such things are not unheard of in these parts, he says rather wryly, but the frequency of these attacks has increased of late, and the perpetrators appear to be well trained and growing bolder with each attack. The Thane explains that, to his knowledge, no one has has yet been killed in these ambushes. But the much valuable cargo has been stolen, and several of the victims have been battered quite severely. These attacks have all occurred in the same general area, on the three, on the three main roads that cut through the forest north of the city. There is something that all three of these roads have in common, though. They probably just scorch you over to a long table near the window and stabs his finger into the middle of a sprawled map. You lean, o- lean over. You lean in close and read the words written on the map. Dust above his finger. Stone back hill. There's a link there. I'm going to read that. It's a long one. Originally named after the spider of the same name, Stoneback Hill has a rich, if somewhat tragic, history. Long considered curse, Stoneback Hill, rising out of the forest north of the city of Swithick, has been avoided by locals, travellers and like for over three centuries. Local folklore has it that anyone foolish enough to set, to set foot on the hill will carry away a part of the curse with them. Cursor will ultimately result in an unimaginably hideous death. Centuries ago, before the heir was considered cursed, a monastery in Arthur Suthak, the Allfather, was built at the base of Stoneback Hill. The monks who built the monastery claimed the hill was holy land and decreed that the hill's summit would serve as a final resting place for the faithful. The monastery, known as Stoneback Monastery, became a place frequented by travellers throughout that part of Tusa, for the blue-robed monks who drove therein were the most hospitable were most hospitable to the road the road worn who arrived at the door. However, the monastery was not without its oddities. Indeed, journals kept by the monks revealed that over the two centuries that the monastery stood at the base of Stoneback Hill, monks and travellers alike have often witnessed strange, eerie things on the hill and in the forest around it. 
Local folklore declared the dead weasen out, out of the graves atop Stoneback Hill, roamed the woods around the monastery at night, looking for victims. The locals often joked, making sports of the monks' legendary hospitality, saying that should the, de- should the roaming dead lock on the monastery door, they would be offered a hot supper and a warm bed. Local folklore grew into what was jokingly referred to as the curse of Stoneback Hill. Then, on a cold autumn night, over three centuries ago, the monks that inhabited the monastery at the base of Stoneback Hill simply disappeared. According to records later found at the monastery, there were 24 monks inhabiting it at the time. Not one of the 24 was ever found, and their disappearance could never be immediately explained. Days later, however, a traveller arrived in Trithic and told a harrowing tale of the night that he had recently spent in the monastery. He told of a ghoulish legion of what he referred to as the Woken Dead that assailed the monastery in the middle of the night. He claimed that he had barely escaped the attack with his life, and many of the monks had either been killed or fled wildly into the dark forest. As word spread of the traveller's account, the curse of Stoneback Hill, which had been little more than entertaining local folklore, suddenly took on a new, more profound and sinister meaning. Upon learning of the tragic and mysterious events that had taken place in the forest north of Twithick, the King of Telsa sent a group of six border agents to investigate the hill and the surrounding area. They never returned. With the disappearance of the border rangers, the King of Tosa demanded the monastery report torn down and he promptly decreed that it was unlawful for any to tread upon the ground where the monastery formerly stood. Furthermore, treading on the cursed hill itself would now be a would now be a crime punishable by death. So the monastery was raised to the ground. And in the minds of everyone, Stoneback Hill became a dark, terrifying place that was to be avoided at all cost. The king also decreed that stone walls be built in the forest, encircling both the hill and the remains of the monastery, to serve, serve as a warning to those who might unwittingly stray too far, too near to the cursed ground. The wall made out of the stones that were found about the forest, stood about waist-high and proved to be a massive endeavour, taking many years to complete. The wall still stands to this day as an ever-present, ominous reminder of what lies in the forest beyond it. The wall is still maintained to this day and is known, as you might expect, as Stoneback Wall. The wall which punishes any who dare to spess on the hill her death still stands, stands to his day, although it has never had to be tested. No one is known to have ever dared step foot on the cursed hill since. These days, the curse of Stoneback Hill remains very real to many in the kingdom, especially to the twith- to citizens of Twithick and its surrounding outlying areas. A few mossy stone blocks still visible off the, wo- off the woods near the spot where Stargon Road meets the Old North Road, are all that remains of the monastery.
A stone monument in tribute to the monks of Stonebound Monastery still stands at that very spot. A cautionary verse is inscribed at the base of the monument, still warns travellers that to stray onto the cursed ground of Stoneback Hill is to do so under the penalty of death. Well, that's an anonymous place to go. You step back from the map and bring your eyes up to meet the stained stern gaze. And not only you, as he twice again stabs at the spot on the finger. Stoneback Hill, he stares, shaking his head. There hasn't been anyone who would willingly tread on that cursed ground for over three centuries. But yet, what would make a better place for Harriman to base their way than that which few, if any, would dare venture into? Dame Poland explains that he believes the ambushes that have been taking place on, on travellers on the forests north of Trific are the work of a group of bandits hiding out on Stoneback Hill. To send any of my own men to that place would be folly. Don't believe in the curse of Stoneback Ball any more than robbers who have likely made their encampment on that very spot. Yet, I cannot afford to alarm the already edgy citizenry of this city and parts hereabout with news of my men treading on ground forbidden by law and legend. My, su- my stand on the side of law and uh, order in Trithic must be unwavering. For it is that unwavering stance that grants strength to my cause against the lawlessness in this city. The Thane taps his finger on the spot, but on the map where Stoneback Hill lies, and looks directly at at you. That is where you enter into this soup, he says. Thane Point again explains that he is loath to send any of his own men in the air of Stoneback Hill, Phil Hill, for fear of the citizenry of Trithic, fear of upsetting the citizenry of Trithic, whom he says by and large believe very strongly in the curse. He then asks what you suspected he would. He asks that you undertake a journey to Stoneback Hill, discover if indeed his suspicions are true. He tells you, tells you once you have investigated the hill and made a report to him. He will determine a course of action. Can I count on the, you this on this you for this soup? Yes. With just a flutter of trepidation, the tip of your pit of your stomach, you swiftly meet the fane in a shoulder cross and assure him that you are honoured to undertake the mission. They pour and explains that your first duty on this mission will be to go to Stoneback Hill and determine if indeed the highwaymen who are robbing travellers on the forest roads, are using it as a base of operation. Tells you that while he does not know for certain, he believes that the bandits may be hiding out in the cemetery at the summit of Sobak Hill. And you must report back, back to me at once your findings. And Zoop, we must not let anyone else know of this mission. You assure, you assure the thing this will remain a confidential matter. After bidding him farewell, you immediately set out the first leg of your mission and make your way, to, way along one of, one of the forest roads north of the city towards Stoneback Hill. You follow a road known as Old North Road as it winds its way through the 
thick forest north of Twithick. After nearly a two-hour hike along the road, with no sign of any other travellers, reach a spot where the old north road is joined from the east by the wider, well-travelled Stagwind Road. Where the two roads meet, set back several feet from the side of the road, stands a large stone monument honouring the monks of Stoneback Monastery, who disappeared in the vicinity of this spot over three centuries ago. The monument depicts a monk piously kneeling in prayer. Your eyes are drawn to a warning inscribed on the base of the monument. It pronounces that a sentence of death will be carried out against anyone who dares tread on the cursed ground. Several dozen yards into the woods beyond the monument, you can make out Stoneback Wall, the perimeter of the cursed ground of Stoneback Hill. You wait on the side of the road for several minutes, carefully observing the immediate area. When you feel confident you are alone, learn that here, you quietly slip into the forest. You rapidly cover the stretch of the woods beyond the monument. For in a minute of leaving the roadside, you have reached the wall. You take one last look at the road before you step over the wall and onto the forbidden ground of Stoneback Hill. You stand in the thick of the woods, only a few yards beyond Stoneback Wall. To, to the north, Stoneback Hill rises up sharply, its slope covered with thick, with the thick growth of the forest. The forest is eerily quiet, and you become conscious of the fact that your every football is likely betraying your passage to anyone within earshot. Must is now decide how you proceed. Investigate the forest at the base of the hill, or investigate the, fil- the hill itself. I'll do the forest. You begin to search through the forest at the ba- base of Stoneback Hill. Pick a number between 1 and 100. Bonus 16 from Woodmanship. Alright, got 95. Got 4 XP to Generals. In a wide hollow not far from the western edge of the hill, discover the remains of a campfire. The remains of the fire appear to be several days old. Search the campfire fire thoroughly. Move, about, move around the wide hollow. Your eyes peered for anything that might offer a hint as to who built the fire. And yeah, Pick a random number again. Bonus 16, 6 from thievery, 10 from luck. Got to get 75 or more. Failure. You carefully search the campsite, paying close attention to the of the fire, but discover nothing of any interest. Satisfied you have not overlooked anything of importance, you turn your attention to Stoneback Hill itself. Oh well. The steep, thickly wooded slope is that is Stoneback Hill does not appear to offer an easy ascent. However, you'll recall that the monks of Stoneback Monastery used a road that wound its way up, up the hill to the cemetery they built on the summit. Realise that the bandits are indeed hiding out on hill. They, they may be making use of the road, even if they are not using it. It seems likely they would be watching it closely. 
Still, the idea of finding your way to the summit of the hill by the way of the world seems a somewhat more inviting prospect than struggling up the steep hillside. So I can do the road or the hillside. I'm going to do the road. Despite the obvious risks of using a direct approach to the summit, you feel that the perils are no greater than you would face were you to brave the stretchous terrain of the hill and in a steep and dangerous ascent. Near the southern base of the hill, you happen upon the crumbling remains of a stone road, winding its way up and around the steep slope. You take one last look around before st- starting your climb up a road that was laid over three centuries ago. For the most part, you trek along the old road that winds its way up the side of Stoneback Hill passes without incident. However, as you approach the summit, you come round a bend in the road and behold a sight that stops you dead in your tracks. In the middle of the road, not more than 20 yards ahead, stand three lanky figures clad in hooded capes and sweeping tunics. Their backs turn towards you as they crouch over the unmoving body of a man, long swords are clenched in their gloved hands. You quickly step off the side of the road and take cover behind some thick brush as you assess the situation. I can stay in hiding watch and I can approach them. If I divination, I could use it, but I don't, so I can't. I'm just going to watch them. For several minutes, the hooded figures remain crouched about round the body, at times poking and prodding with the tips of their blades. Suddenly, much to your surprise, the body begins to twitch. Moments later, the three figures stand up and step back as the man rises unsteadily to his feet. As the man staggers about, about, apparently attempting to regain his balance, you manage to get a glimpse of his face, and you are truly horrified by what you see. A wide red glass runs across, runs near the entire length of the man's torso and his breeches and cloth shirt are stoked with blood. You find it impossible to believe that someone could have survived such a grievous wound, as all three of the lanky hooded figures turn and look back down the road. The sinister night of the scene you're witnessing comes into focus. The stark white, fleshless faces beneath the hoods are those of the undead. The skeletal figures turn turn and start up the road, and the recently wizened man embles along beside them. You are left to believe these skeletal beings not only slew the man that now follows him, but then somehow raised him from the dead. You wait until the four figures have gone ahead out of sight on the road, before you cautiously resume your trek along the road in their wake. As, as you pa- pass Past the spot in the world where your figures have stood over, stood over the fallen man, your eyes are drawn to a small, shiny object on the ground. You lean down to examine it and discover it's a polished black stone attached to an iron chain. You may take this item before you continue on your way, if you wish. Let's see. It loses my mind by one and my might by one. Oh dear. This polished black stone hands, hands 
hangs on a thin iron chain. But I'm going to take it anyway, because you always take something, even if it's useless. Even if it's worse than useless, you take it anyway. The range of your trek along the road to the summit passes without incident. Do not again encounter the three skeletal beings or the man they raised from the dead. The old road you're following leads directly to the summit, and soon after you pass beneath beneath the remains of a lagged stone arch, you find yourself standing at the edge of a graveyard, on edge of the graveyard, atop stone back hill. A, crumb, a crumbling wall of stacked stones runs along the pr- perimeter of the summit, encircling the old cemetery. At first glance, as the graveyard atop Stoneback Hill is barely recognisable as such. Trees and tall black grasses have grown up amid the headstones and monuments, all but concealing them from view. Through the trees on the far side of the overgrown graveyard, you can make out the stone wall of a, of a small above-ground tomb. Feel slightly uneasy in the eerie silence that seems to hang over this place in the search the west of the graveyard. You you make your way through the overgrown grave graveyard, winding in and out of the headstones and cracked stone monuments that poke up amidst the trees and doorways. As you come up, as you come over the back of a small wise, you're freezing your tracks as your eyes fall upon a grim scene. Much of the tall grass has been cut back in this part of the graveyard, revealing several dozen unearthed graves. Tall piles of dirt sit at the edge of the graves. Near one of these mounds lie two shovels. As you as you crouch at the base of the leaning leaning may crouch at the base of a leaning maple as you carefully survey the scene. For several minutes you wait and watch. But you see nothing that leads you to believe that whoever has been digging up these graves is anywhere at hand. After taking a deep breath, you move in, into the midst of the unearthed graves, making your way to the spot where the two shovels lie. You peer down into the open graves that you pass, noting that in every case the coffin lying at the bottom has been opened been opened or overturned. It appeared that the robbers who set about this task are, or were, determined to pillage every last grave atop Stoneback Hill. However, when you arrive at the open gra- grave next to which lie the two shovels, an entirely different scene greets you. The hole that has been dug at the site of the grave is over ten feet deep. The bottom bit you discern a narrow set of stone steps descending into darkness. A foul odour rises out of the shadows below, almost causing you to wetch. There is no mistaking the overwhelming spell that assails your senses. It is the stench of death and decay. An uneasy feeling comes over you as you stand at the edge of the dark opening. And you suddenly feel as if you could, as if you should move away from this place at once. You've taken, you've taken several steps back from the edge where your heel comes down, something hard and sharp. 
Stifling a cry of pain, you reached down and pulled the object from beneath your foot. In your hand you hold the sharp tip of a long, curved black claw. The claw is unlike that of any animal you know, and you wisely decide to hold on to it for now. View. This long, curved black claw is nearly four inches in length, and is perhaps only half as long as it was before it was broken. Oh dear, that's going to be some nasty quiz so that's from. And it's probably around here somewhere, and I'm probably going to have to find it. You just, you must decide. You must decide now your next course of action. You only your mind the option of returning with news of discovery to Thane Point against exploring the set of steps descending into the darkness at the bottom of the open grave. And these. The uneasy feeling that came over you when you stood at the edge of the grave has returned with vengeance. The desire to turn and flee from the graveyard is almost overwhelming. As you struggle to maintain a grip on your emotions, a scuffling sound rises up from the open grave, and a gloved hand reaches over the edge, the concealed fingers clawing desperately at loose dirt. Help me! gasped the ragged voice. Of the unseen climber. Move to the side of the grave. And help the person out of the grave. Walk away while I help the person. Obviously. You rush over to the side of the open grave. And peer down into the hole. A man in a leather tunic. His back firmly wedged against the side of the hole. Is desperately crawling at the ground. Around the edge of the grave. With his gloved hand. Piercy is close to losing his grip and falling back into the grave. You lean down and shoot out your hand for him to grab. Horror overcomes you as the man grips you tightly and then tugs violently, attempting, obviously attempting to pull you into the grave. That's just wound. Random number, 1 to 100. Bonus 18 for might. And a pause, pausing for me. And I am back. There it is. Alright, I'm going to click. Pause this check. Go. 88. Success. You stumble. You manage to pull yourself free of the climber's grasp. And you stumble back from the edge of the open grave. You remain where you are. Your eyes fixed on the glove hand feeling about the edge of the grave. Suddenly another hand reaches out the opening. And a tall, thin man wearing a leather tunic hoists himself up and out of the grave, turns to face you, and you're truly horrified by what you see. The man's face is sunken and pale, and his eyes once rested since a pair of empty sockets, the edges crusted with dry blood. You're staring at the face of the dead. The, ghoul- the ghoulish figure draws a sharp axe and brandishes Mez- Brandes it menacingly as the sound of further scuffling from within the grave suddenly reaches your ears. Attack this axe-wielding undead, indeed! Axe-wielding cadaver is being valiantly battled. I fight, I fight. It's the undead man swipes at me with his hand axe, and I slash with my sword, and it is gone. 4 XP. 
The undead attacker crumples to the ground as the sound of scuffling from within the grave grows louder. It sounds as if there are several others about to emerge. Stand my ground and face what emerges. With a matter of seconds, eight gruesome undead cadavers, much like the one you just dispatched, emerged from, op- from the open grave. Their pale, eyeless faces turned in your direction. How did they see me? One of them, his face and neck bearing hideously deep black gashes, snarls viciously as the entire wave of undead surges forward and attacks. Fight eight gruesome cadavers. And the undead claw, claw and tear at my flesh in a frenzy. But I slash. I cl- slash, I slash. Oh, and down they go at last. And stay dead. Stay dead. The stench of decay from the, un- the slain undead is almost more than you can bear. Their twisted corpses, oozing thick streams of black blood, cover the ground at your feet. Also got 18 experience. With your arm crooked over your nose, crooked over your nose to ward, ward off the foul odour, you quickly search through the remains of your enemies. Discover the following. Sharp hand axe. This, this hand axe has an unusually sharp blade. This weapon is of sturdy quality. I'll take that. Black pearl bracelet. This bracelet is made out of black pearls. The largest of the pearls has a white skull inscribed upon it. I'll just take that. You quickly decide that you should, should at once return and tell, and tell Thane Porrid of what you have discovered here. With that in mind, you turn and make your way, way out of the graveyard. And we're continuing. That. And I'm make, there I go. As you make your way back down Stoneback Hill, your mind pours over the details of what you have discovered. It would appear that whoever whoever recently occupied the forbidden ground had also set about robbing the graves of the ancient cemetery. It also seems that their last attempt at pilpering from the dead unearthed something they were not prepared to deal with. You find your thoughts continually drawn to the set of open stone steps descending into darkness, bottom of the open grave. You wonder why they are there, and where they might lead. The trek from the top of Stoneback Hill to Stone Toneback Wall, which circles its base, takes a little over an hour. You dare not tarry on the descent, but because what you have witnessed in the old graveyard and your desire to inform Thane Porrind of what you've discovered. It is near. It is nearing dusk when you arrive back into a thing, and you hurry to reach Twin Keep before the city wife curfew goes into effect for the night. When you arrive at your destination, you are once again escorted to the Thane's private chamber. Thane Porrind listens intently, as you relate to him the events of your journey to the stomach, summit of Stoneback Hill, and what you found in the old graveyard there, as you described the open graves and the walking dead that you encountered, his eyes widen and he shakes his head in disbelief. The Fane asks you again to account the details of the undead 
encountered, and then asks you to and asks to see the piece of black claw he discovered. While he studies it, he calls upon his advisors, a man named Tungar. Tungar knows of our business on Stoneback Hill. Says the Thane, his story's time reassuring. He be trusted to secrecy in this matter. He's also a warrior of great skill, who has faced much of what there is to face in the world of the world, and lived to tell of it. I'm most eager for his opinion on what, what you have discovered thus far. Tungar, a broad-shouldered, worky-looking individual, arrives mere moments after having been summoned. He bows, deep, he bows deeply and beat before the fame and acknowledges you with a solemn nod. Thane Poland hands the piece of the black claw to Tungar, begins to give his advisor a brief but thorough account of your discoveries and encounters on Stoneback Hill. Ha- have, after having examined the claw for only a few moments, Tungar hands it to Thane Poland. In a wavering voice, he tells both you and the Thane. The claw is that of a Vorin Thrill. There's a link to that. Vorin Thrill. Of all the nightmare Stensons, Stensons of the undead world, the Vorin Thrill is amongst the most feared. This powerful malevolent ghoul is the embodiment of a vengeful spirit of a long-dead Vorinthan who was entombed alive in a specially constructed tomb as punishment for the extremely vile nature of his or her crimes. So twisted with hate and utterly bent on vengeance against their persecutors of the entombed Ruthven, that, that when they at last expired alone in the darkness of their tombs, their forsaken souls were hurled into the shadowy depths of the neverness. It is believed the spirits of many of those these intoned Vorinthan were able to return to the world of Swift and reunite with their deceased physical form through the use of a shadow path. Therefore, it is often assumed that where a Vorinthan is found, a shadow path is likely not far away. It should be known that Vorinthan will vary in their appearance and may be either male or female, for they will typically have have the form of a washing corpse, often garbled in long, flowing black robes, the garb of criminals in, in ancient Vorathan society. The fingertips of all Vorathlum are set with long, curved black claws, which it will use very effectively as weapons. These powerful undead menaces exert a strong control over other lesser undead, and they use this control to protect their lair using their tomb, one should one should expect to find any number of horrifying undead stalking about the lair of a Vorin Thrall. Normally, a Vorin Thrall will not seek to leave its lair, and indeed has no knowledge of the world that is returned to, despite its strong desire for vengeance that drove here. Instead, these horrific undead choose to dwell in their lair, in the lairs, again using the terms, undisturbed by the world outside. From time to time, they may stray from their lair, but such excursions will usually be brief, and they will not cover a great distance. The Vorinfield seeks seclusion in its lair, a tomb where, where its days among the living came to such a loathsome 
and groups of end. Despite their fearsome reputation, Romo grow to great lengths to conceal their lairs and close them off from the world of the living. They usually seek to reseal and reconceal their lairs in the event that they are discovered by the living. Only when the lair of a fallen fellow has been discovered and violated does it begin to present a danger to the outside world, and someone's just done that. The danger will remain for as long as the lair remains unsealed. The Vaughnflow has not only the ability to control undead creatures, but also to raise the dead, and can raise any formerly living creature to its service. The real danger posed by Vaughnflow is the undead that the creature controls. The undead under the control of Vaughnflow often wander great distances from the creature's lair, if, if the lair has been violated, and can obviously pose a serious threat to humans in the vicinity. A powerful aura of fear surrounds the fallen throne, an aura powerful enough to shape the spirit of even the most stalwart. Indeed, there are few among the living who would dare brave an encounter with the fallen throne in its lair. I think I am one of them. Fallen throne are immune to all normal weapons. A magical weapon is required to damage this creature. I have one of those. It should also be noted that noted that shallow paths that bore the front floor back passage back to Swift from the Nevers remain open is there. An open shadow path in the lair of the Vaughnfall is very dangerous, for it allows the Vaughnfall to summon undead from the depths of the Neverness to do its bidding. To assume that the Vaughnfall themselves will pass back and forth through the shadow path at will. Destroying a Vaughnfall will close any shadow pass that exists in its lair. It is unlikely that more than one of these powerful undead will ever be discovered inhabiting the same lair. Vaughnfall seek to dominate and control lesser undead beings, and, no, and at no time will its wicked spirit submit to the will of, an, of another. There have been many tales and legends throughout the ages of brave adventurers who stumbled upon hidden Vaughnfall tombs and discovered the lair of a fallen throne. Some of these tales tell of unearthly treasures contained within the tomb, perhaps things brought forth from the infinite neverworld realms by the Von Fur and its minions. It is also widely assumed that many of the adventurers and others who have happened upon the lair of the Von Fur quickly saw an end to their days amongst the living. Less than scrupulous mages are often interested to learn about the location of a suspected Von Fur lair for a simple reason. They may contain one or more active shadow paths. A chill runs the length of your spine when you realise that the stone pet steps at the base of the open grave were very likely the entrance to the lair of this undead horror. It would appear that, that whoever was whopping the graves up there stumbled upon the lair of a fallen throne, says Dane Porrand, handing the black claw back to you. Expression on his face and the tone of his voice equally grave. This now becomes most serious, indeed, a far more pressing, more pressing than the exploits of a few way, few highwaymen as laid before us. The thane says he is most troubled by your account of the undead moving about Stoneback Hill. 
and a grim Tony announces that the issue of the Rohrenfeld is not one that can wait. This threat must be dealt with swiftly and quietly, he says. John Gore nods stoically in agreement. Agree that if it, indeed, if it is indeed a violent fraud that lurks atop Stoneback Hill, it's likely that after three centuries of, mis- after three centuries of mystery, the disappearance of the monks of Stoneback Monastery at last has an explanation. Seeing that the monks of Stoneback Monastery may have been the first to unwittingly unearth the ancient Varathian tomb as they dug graves atop the hill, says Thane Pollard, is of little consequence now, which is pro- for it's upon our watch that we have put put to it that 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 is message to be settled once and for all. Fame Paul places a hand on your shoulder and asks the question you've been anticipating. He asks if you're up to the task of returning to Stoneback Hill and dealing with the menace of the Vaughan Thralls. There are few who I trust with so delicate and important mission as this. You, Zoop, have been known to me for some time. I do not, and I do not feel that I could find a more worthy and courageous soul within the walls of this great city. Both Thane Prowad and Tulgar seem to be eagerly awaiting your response. Your curt nod directed at Thane, acceptance of this task, appears to come as a profound relief to both men. Thane Pollen smiles as he meets you in a shoulder cross following your acceptance of the mission. Tronga pra- praises your courage and then offers to help see that you are properly outfitted for the task. You follow Tronga to the lower levels of Trin Peep, where he takes you through a series of, series of rooms stocked with a vast array of weapons and armour. The equipment used to outfit the Thane's armed forces force that patrols the streets of Twithic. Chunga speaks privately with a few of the attendants in these rooms and several special items are brought forth from the presented room. You, ca- you, te- you carefully look over the items that have been presented. Alright, I'm going to pause and while I look at Okay, nothing was better than what I had, but I took it all anyway, so I could sell it. As you walk back to Thane Prowen's chamber with Tungrel, he accounts for you his several of his past exploits. Several of his past exploits with fearsome creatures. He is quick to admit that he's an accomplished warrior. He's never been particularly fond of dealing with the undead. And this fallen fall, he says, shaking his head, is truly a creature of darkness, nothing but malice. And malice and hatred seeps forth from its black soul. A less stalwart person than your so soup will be no doubt be loath to to the prospect of encountering such a foe. As you approach the Thane's chamber, you notice for the first time that Tongon walks with a noticeable limp, catches sight of interest and slap and laughs as he slaps his left thigh. There were four forest trolls that afternoon, Zoop. They got the better of me for a moment or two, before I was able to square up for you. The old wound apps up now and again. You follow the Tungor as he steps into the Thane's chamber. You spend the next two, hour, two hours with the Thane and Tungor, going over the details of your impending mission. 
Chungo seems to have a wealth of knowledge concerning Vornathal, and you wisely glean as much information as you can from him. You learn that Vornathal are immune to ordinary weapons. Magic, or weapon imbued with such, will be the only means you have have to hurt this creature, Vornathal. An army of a thousand blades would perish again, lest one of those blades bear enchantment. You suddenly take comfort knowing knowing the arsenal of weaponry includes four magic weapons, the Sword of Souls, Goblin Doom, Enchanted Dagger, and the Dagger of Emerald Flame. Suddenly, a young man clad in a purple tunic, the front of which is embodied with the mark of a thane, arrives in the chamber and hands Thane Porrand a long item covered by a red cloth. Uh, the lad blows deeply to the flame before leaving the chamber. You're somewhat surprised when the flame hands a cloth-covered item to you. You shall find more use for that than I ever shall, he says, as you take hold of something heavy, hidden beneath the red cloth. You pull away the cloth to reveal a black, short-handled, single-bladed axe. For its size, the axe feels unusually racy, but, but as the grip of, as you grip the weapon and closely examine it, there is little doubt that it is a magnificent weapon. The axe is a solid piece of forged blackened steel with a small but almost impossibly sharp blade protruding from its head. The half of this splendid weapon is covered with hundreds of likenesses of snakes and skulls, all carved into black steel. You can view this weapon. Nilo waiting plus four. This axe is a solid piece of forged blackened steel with a small but almost impossibly sharp blade emerging from its head. Taft of this splendid weapon is covered with, with hundreds of likenesses of snakes and skulls, all carved into the black steel. This weapon is of magical quality. Thane Porrin tells you that this axe is something he acquired several years ago in exchange for his services as a warrior. The sage once told me the exact the axe was the axe was imbued with the power to defeat the undead. You may have it, Sue. I hope that it serves you well. I think that you may need it before long. You go over the details of your mission for a final time with the Thane and Tongo. You are about to turn to the summit of Stoneback Hill, enter the min, enter the lair of the Vorenthal, and defeat the undead horror and its minions. The plan is simple. You cannot hope but think its execution will prove to be anything but. It's agreed that you will set out for Stoneback Hill at dusk and enter the forest under the cover of night, when your movements are less likely to attack to attract any undesired attention. You will then wait until the light of dawn before you climb to the sun, so you can seek out the lair of the Vorn Flow. Both Thane Pjorwin and Tugger seem, seem keen on keeping your movements about Stoneback Hill, a well-guarded secret. At long last you prepare to take your leave of the Thane and Tugger. Before you depart, Thane Pjorwin says a brief prayer and commends you for accepting such a dangerous mission. May the All-Father protect you and bring you back to us in victory and safety, he says. 
Trungar follows you out of the Fane's chamber and wishes you luck on your mission. He removes a small object from his pocket and places it in your hand. You are brave indeed, but I know that you will need more than courage to face a creature like the Vorenfold. This ambulance is supposed to offer protection from the undead. I've always kept it near, just in case, but I dare say you have a greater need for it. Besides, I've another just like it. Go. Go safe and good luck, Zoo. I found an Oryx Skull amulet. A small Oryx Anctus fashioned in the shape of a human skull hangs on a thin iron chain. These might come in handy as well, he says, handing you a handful of dried leaves. You instantly recognise as big Quebec leaves. This small dry leaf. The small dry leaf of the Quebec plant will restore lost animal points. I'll take all of them. You thank Klongar and keep it and bid him farewell before making your way out of Twind Keep. The return journey to Stoneback Hill proceeds without incident. As 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 dusk turns into darkness, you slip into the forest base of the hill and begin to search for a place to settle down until dawn. After briefly scouting nearby air, you decide to spend the night amidst a cluster of large rocks not far from the wall that surrounds the base of the hill. The night passes without incident, although your dreams are filled with strange haunting images that more, that more than one cause you to wake with a start. In, in one such dream, you find yourself moving along a narrow stone corridor. Surrounded on all sides by the flesterous arms of the dead that reach through the walls, floors, and ceiling to grow at you. At first light of dawn, as the first light of dawn filters down through the tree limbs overhead, you groggily rise and prepare to make your make what you hope will be your final ascent of Stoneback Hill. The climb to the summit takes a li- takes a little more than two hours. And though you do not encounter anything during ascent, your mind is plagued by a growing sense of dread. This feeling becomes even more pronounced as you step onto the summit of the hill and reach the edge of the ancient graveyard. A thick early morning mist is just beginning to lift out of the top of the hill. The heavy vapour drifts amongst the trees and crumbling monuments of the cemetery, painting an eerie and almost... So we all seen as it slowly departs. You move cautiously into the foggy overgrown cemetery and make your way towards the area of open graves. Your trek ends when you find yourself standing at the edge of an open grave that leads down to a set of stone steps descending into shadow. You're standing at the edge of your open grave, the bottom of which is a set of narrow stone steps that ascend into darkness. A cool breeze passes through the graveyard, sending a chill the length of your spine and renewing the nagging dread that permeates your thoughts. A foul odour rises from below, strong enough to make you almost wet. There is no mistaking the overwhelming smell that sells your senses. It is the stench of death and decay. You spend some time resting and recovering a short distance from the open grave, I'm fully healed, climb down the step grave and descend the stairs. 
We draw a reliable light source illuminating the way. You cautiously descend the narrow stone steps and make your way into the ancient Roathian tomb. Okay, now, okay, a steep, crumbling flight of steps rises from the floor above here, climbing towards the dim light of the day above, offering you a route of escape from this ancient place of death. In the natural play, pale greenish light illuminates the interior of this musty labyrinth of twisting passages. Alright, I'm, I'm, oh, five skeletons. A, clatter, a clattering of bones signals the arrival of a group of skeletons. The fleshless undead hiss loudly upon catching sight of you, and they quickly move in for the kill. I fight, I fight. Too experienced, General. You take a few moments to recover following your victory, but remain aware that staying too long in one spot will likely invite further danger. When you feel recovered sufficiently, you once again set off through the musty gloom. The torso of the undead being ambling down the passage towards you is riddled with half-buried arrow shafts and deep red slashes. All indications are that this man suffered a violent death on the field of battle. With a, with a ghastly battle cry, he, rise, he raises a rusky scimitar and rushes forward to attack. You stolidly attack, warrior of the grave. I fight, I fight... And down it goes. And, yep, and... Oh, it's, it's another warrior of the grave. And the undead warrior slashes at you with its, with its scimitar. Okay, that one's down. And one, one XP, general. The dim, phantasmal figure of a young woman slide, glides through the f corridor wall and hovers at the end of the passage. The ghostly lady promptly holds out her hand, as if beckoning you to take it. Okay, I'll reach out for her hand. The instant your fingers pass through the glowing digits of the young woman's ghost, a powerful sense of rejuvenation washes over you. The feeling rapidly fades, and you immediately notice you are once again alone in the gloom-filled passage. I probably should have not used that so soon. You take several steps back in alarm as a skeletal wolf bounds out of the darkness ahead and leaps at you. You manage to fend, fend off its initial assault. Prepare for combat as a wolf starts to slowly circle you. Bad dog. You are bad dog. You take a few moments to recover following your victory and to, you get the same, same victory test for all these battles. A bright flash of light and the crackle of a roaring fire startled you as a flaming skeleton steps into the passage before you. The unnatural flames that cover the fleshless men give off light, but no heat. The skeleton shrieks and rushes forward to attack. I fight the blazing skeleton. And it's gone. And at one expedition. Yeah. The sound of something dragging itself along the passage precedes the arrival of a legless ghoul. This foul on dead being drags itself along, along the passage, leaving a gruesome, bloody trail in its way. When it catches sight of you, it scrambles and bounds forward, using its powerful arms as if they were a pair of legs. Alright. 
Slushy. The vicious legless bull leaps up and attacks, his rotting hands poised to close around your throat. Yeah, there's a lot of different types of undead here. The eerie echoing clack of a horse's hooves shatters the stifling silence of the tomb and sends a chill to the very core of your being. You spin round a half-eyed to see a dec- decaying figure dismounting from his skeletal steed. The rotting warrior, clad in a suit of rusty scale armour, draws an ornate but badly tarnished longsword and strides forward to attack as his mount recedes into the shadows. Uh, how come he got a horse? He gets to ride a horse in there? Why do I get to ride a horse in there? That's not fair. The undead warrior slashes at you with his tarnished longsword. I, I fight some more and then I, I win again. 2 XP. Oh, out now. You're nearly caught off guard as a lone ghoul silks out of the chamber and attacks. You quickly recover from your surprise and square off to face your undead assailant in combat. And I fight that one. And uh, there it goes. Oh, it, it's uh, another one of those those healing ghostly ladies. Alright. It's, it's, a, it's a warrior of the grave. I'll fight that one. And that one's gone. A large human or skeleton climbs into passage and turns in your direction. Upon catching sight of you, the foul undead creature hisses loudly and clatters forward to attack. I fight. The skeleton claws. I slash. 2xp again. Two skeletons. A clattering of bones. Bone signals the arrival of a pair of skeletons. The flesh of sun dead. hiss loudly upon catching sight of you. They quickly move in for the kill. I slash. They claw their bony fingers. I slash with my slashy sword of slashiness. You are ne- nearly taken by surprise as a lone skeleton steps out the shadows on your right and attacks. I fight. It goes down. Yeah, and one XP for that. What's this? A pale... Yeah, yeah. A pale light dimly illuminates this ancient tomb. The aim is choked with dust, making it difficult to breathe. A thick, sto- a thick door stone is stepping to the middle of this wall of this section of the passage. The door is closed as does not appear to be any means of opening it. Okay. Yep, that to the The stairwell seems warmer here for some reason. Now and again you hear what sounds like a scuffling of feet off in the distance. Cool whispering breeze drifts by making you wonder where it came from. Strong desire to leave this two at once creeps into your thoughts. Still, yep, and the passage you're following reaches a dead end. You're about to turn around and head back when suddenly a tall robed figure steps forth from the shadows 
comes to stand in the middle of the chassis. You quickly assume a, dis- a defensive posture, but the figure, though his face is obscured in the shadow of an oversized hood, does not attack. Instead, the strange beings begin to speak in a low but commanding voice. Answer me correctly, son of the living, and you shall be granted one of the four. All is silent for several seconds, until at last the being begins to speak again. You listen carefully for this same being with sights. With sights what you believe to be a widow. A hero of all ages was he of the Aldivarian Black. He whose Aldivarian blade knew no equal. His sinewy steel tasted the hide of serpents and the bones of the wicked, and as for bravery could not spare him the treachery that wides in sleep. Who do of who do I speak, son of the living? The being seems to be awaiting your answer. Now there's there's a link here. Yeah, it's okay. The Ardavari and the Varenthium are the were the first and only two races of men to ever appear on Swift. Both of these ancient races were seafaring folks who sailed out the north and arrived in northern Swift in the middle of the epoch that that historians now refer to as the Age of Storms. Ancient lore tells of a great cataclysm that took place far to the north over the sundered sea in lands uncharted. In the wake of this profound disaster, both the Vorentium and the Arvari were forced to fear south, braving the vastness of the ocean, till at last, led by Seer, they arrived on the shores of northern Swift. The Arvari, though fierce when, when threatened, were a people who generally preferred peace and strong prosperity. In the midst of the Arvari were the sorcerers, who had a mastery of ancient magic, and who quickly learned to harness and control the more ma- the war magical energy abundant in the new world. The Renfrim could not harness magical energy. They were forever resentful of the Advari for the advantages this power gave them. The realm of the Advari spread far and wide throughout the world of Swift. And it's since divided into many realms. If you feel the you know the answer and wish to give it, yeah, you pour the details of this riddle in your mind as you prepare to answer to voice your answer to the strange being. When you're ready to answer, please please enter response in the box below and click answer to continue. Yes, it, it's weird. It's S-Y-R. If you, if you read the follow-up on the links, it's, it's quite clear. 16 XP to General. The mysterious robed figure nods, nods its head slowly and extends a gloved hand to you. The being unfurls its long, spindly fingers to reveal a small stone, stone cube resting on the worn level of its palm. Take it and be gone, says the low but commanding voice. I've got a small stone cubed. 
This small stone cube has been fashioned out of a piece of sonic, sonic granite. Each of the cube's six sides bears an intricate wound. The rogue figure steps silently back in his shadow against the wall. You were scarcely signed to react before the strange being suddenly disappears into thin air. You perform a quick search of the area, but there is no sign of the tall, robed figure. Okay, now I'm back to exploring. Yep, I'm just I'm going pretty much everywhere around here. Now, since I that's a one of four. So, somewhere I've got to find three more cubes. You certainly feel as if your every move is being watched. I'm going to have to search this entire... I'm going to have to search this entire place uh, to find those four cubes. And here's the place. The stench of rotting flesh is almost overpowering in this small recess. Your eyes are immediately drawn to the figure of a man, sprawled out on the ground before you, his neck broken and his head resting at a near impossible angle. The man's face is badly decomposed, and you can only surmise he's been dead for a good long while. You're suddenly taken by surprise as the man leaps to his feet and curses at you. He draws a short sword from, from his belt and staggered forward to attack, attack the undead swordsman. Yes. The washing swordsman, his head nearly perpendicular to the floor, staggers into melee way into melee range and hangs and hacks at you with broad, streeping strokes. I fight. The washing swordsman curses and hacks at you with his short sword, and I give it thirty nine damage. Now I I boop it. I boop it and it, it falls down now. I boop it with my sword. The pointy part of my sword. It's a pointy boop. I've slain it. 18 XP. Having dispatched the undead swordsman, you quickly stoop and search over his remains for anything that might prove useful. You find little of use amongst his mouldy possessions. Discover a rather curious object cut into one of his objects. It's my second cube. When you're finished here, you once again set off on your way. Um, still exploring. Going to the northwest corner of the tomb. It, it's the it's the lady again. For for healing. If I if I have need of that at some point. Yeah, still exploring, still, still exploring soon. Alright, oh, here's our edge. The passage you've been following widens into a large chamber with an arch ceiling, which at its highest point is nearly 20 feet above your head. A stone dais rises up from the floor at the centre of the room. On the top of the dais sits a large stone chest. Countless bones and skulls, most of them human, Listen to the floor in front of your dais. Suddenly you spot a tall cloaked figure. Figure standing in the shadows to the right of the dais. Long skeletal arms extend from the seas of the cloak as the figure motions with its skeletal hand in the direction of the chest. 
Yes. Whatever the Bondead Menace is, it's back is presently towards you. I'm going to watch. Though you cannot be certain, you seem to think the cloak skeleton figure is some sort of magic on the stone chest, perhaps attempting to open it. For several minutes, you lurk in shadows of the entrance to the chamber. And watch as and watch as the sneaking as the cloak skeleton continues to make silent efforts. Stone chest atop the dais. I'm gonna sneak up and attack the stone figure. You creepily you creepily step you stealthily creep forward into into the chamber towards the cloak skeleton preparing to launch a surprise attack. Pick a random number, one for a hundred, bonus twenty-six, six from thievery, ten from agility, ten from luck, bonus I got to get fifty or more. Success Four XP to general. Now I got seven I, the number is seventy one. You creep up behind the cloak skeleton completely undetected. Land a, crippled, land a near crippling blow to the unsuspecting undead. The skeletal figure drops to the floor with a loud clattering of bones, but manages to regain its feet. As it turns to face you, you some got somewhat aghast to discover its head. Unlike the rest of its cloaked body, it's still covered with rotting flesh. The daunt, the gaunt, badly decomposed face of a young man. Stares back at you through empty eye sockets. A thousand deaths, child of the living! She hisses. As the tips of her fleshless fingers begin to glow bright red. My master, lord of the doom, shall not suffer the living in his mist! You prepare for combat against an undead sorceress. I fight. The skeletal sorceress swipes you with her jagged fingertips. I fight some more. And 19 experience. The undead sorceress collapses to the ground at your feet. Her body grieves for several moments and then becomes still. Becomes still. Suddenly, the apparition of a young woman in a flowing green robe rises up. With the twisted skeletal reins and turns to face you, smiling faintly. Thank you, hisses a gentle voice as the apparition fades, fades, leaving you alone in the chamber. A quick search of the skeletal remains of the undead sorceress reveals a curious object which you promptly take possession of an iron wand. This small, plain iron wand, the surface of this wand is marred from use, but otherwise has no markings. Alright. Yeah, you're standing in a large chamber with an arch ceiling, which is highest point nearly 20 feet above your head. A stone dais rises up from the floor at the centre of the room. On top of the dais sits a large stone chest. Countless bones and skulls, most of them human, litter the floor in front of the dais. The only exit from this chamber is the passage by which you arrive to the west. Examine the stone chest. The stone chest is three feet wide and two feet tall with an ornately carved lid. The carvings on the lid depict a, 
depict a long procession of skeletal beings passing beneath a tall arch. A small keyhole, much smaller than you'd expect on a chest so large, is set in front of the chest. The chest is not locked. Stone, the stone lid is extremely heavy. But after several moments of intense strain, you manage to lift it, over, lift it open. The chest is empty except for a thin, oddly shaped object lying in one corner. You reach in and retrieve the object and discover that it is a wooden mask. The mask is in the shape of a skull and many strange symbols have been carved into its surface. Believing the mask may prove to be, of him, prove to be important, you reach into the chest and promptly take possession of it. The moment your hands touch the mask, an icy chill runs the length of your body. You've got this wooden skull mask. This, this wooden mask is in the shape of a skull. Many strange carvings have been carved into its service. Having concluded that, that there is nothing else in his chest, you step down from the dais. Gonna leave that chamber. And, yep, no, okay, still exploring, still exploring. Northern part now. There's a little alcove to the east. Nope, nothing's in there. Going into the northeast corner now. It's it's, a, it's another it's another of those healing ladies. Okay, I'm going to take some healing, yeah, and I am now healed. The instant your fingers pass through the glowing digits of the young woman's ghost, some a powerful sense of rejuvenation washes over you. I am healed. Your feet. Your fe the feeling rapidly fades, and you immediately notice you are once again alone in the gloom-filled passage. Yep. No, I, I was not quite so strong. Maybe that healing would come in handy. Now and again you hear what sounds like the scuffling of feet in the distance. I've got to find two more of those cubes. Alright, I'm... Zigzagging my way south. It's another one of those ladies. What's this? Uh, just. Oh, I'm moving my way into the southeast corner now. The moment you step into your alcoves, your eyes are drawn to a small stone cube that sits on the floor against the far wall. You note with some curiosity the stone cube is identical to the other cubes you've already discovered in this tomb. I'm going to take it, but I suspect there'll be a trap, and there is. As you reach down to pick, pick up the small stone cube, a rush of air from above gives you a start. You glance upwards in time to see a sight that makes your blood run cold, dropping from the ceiling towards you with a giant bat-like creature. Random number, 1 to 100, bonus 20, success 50 or more. Success, 62. You dive to your left, missing the outstretched talons of the strange beast by mere inches. The, the beast gives an enraged shriek as you spring to your feet and turn to face your enemy. The creature standing in the alcove before you is certainly something straight out of a nightmare. This tall, winnowy being has the body and face of a young man, but jutting out of his back are a pair of thick, leathery black wings. Long, white fangs protrude from the creature's mouth, and a forked tongue flickers in and out of its gaping jaws. The horrific beast emits a terrifying shriek 
and rushes towards forward to attack. His outstretched talons poised to tear you to shreds. Flight from this creature is not possible. You must face it to the death. I fight the winged horror. The winged horror tears at you, its razor sharp talons, and I slash with my better razor sharp sword. And I, I, I win, I win. I have slain my foe. Oh, let's be. The repulsive thing. The repulsive creature emits a final gasp and slumps to the floor at your feet. You watch in astonishment as its body slowly dissolves into a pool of thick, fitted oil. A pungent odour rises up from the pool, kills, causing your eyes to water. You decide to take the small stone cube and leave this alcove as quickly as possible. That's three cubes now. Hello, David. Okay, I'm, I'm back again. Alright, I'm still exploring the tomb, trying to find my fourth cube. Along the southern side. I'm right next to... Right next to where I have that little quiz now. Nothing's happening just north of that. An elaborate shield of stone hangs on the west wall of this narrow recess. The shield is nearly six feet high, four feet across, and is over a foot thick. This is indeed a weighty piece. To the very centre of this odd hanging piece protrudes a small stone cube. Looks as if you could simply remove the cube from the shield if you wanted to. But obviously it's not going to be that simple. Because this is a tomb, and tombs always have traps in you, and the others have always had, the other three cubes have had some sort of trap to them, so there'll be danger. I could use V3, that at plus 10, that's a 60% chance of success. If I had telekinesis at 10 or more, I could use them. I'm going to give V3 a shot. You unsuccessfully used it. An ancient trap cleverly hidden on the stone shield has escaped your notice. The moment your fingers come into contact with the small stone cube, a violent shudder runs the length of the shield and the entire, entire piece pitches forward from the wall, soaring downwards on a direct course to crush you beneath its massive bulk. Number, it's picking a random number, one. Random wonder wonder number 1 to 100. Bonus of 30. 20 from agility. 10 from luck. And I've got to get 40 or more. So I'm probably going to succeed. But we'll see when we click. Success! 97. 2 XP to general. With the reflexes of a cat who nimbly swings to the side. As the massive stone shield crashes into the floor with a deafening thud. A large a large cloud of dust erupts from beneath its bulk, choking the area in a sea of swirling particles. When the dust finally clears, you search through the wobble. Wobble, that was the shield. And much as like you find the small stone cube. Still in one piece, that was lucky. 
Now I have the uh, now I have all four cubes. Just what? I uh, guess I'm just gonna have to wait and find out what they do. Will, will they unlock a treasure? It's done. Alright, oh, what's this? A little alcove to the south. Gonna pull the lever down. You move the iron lever into a down position. So wafts the rest of the tomb, you hear what sounds like a stone grating against stone. A thin iron lever protrudes from the wall from the wall from the wall of the small alcove. The lever is, is quite rusted but appears solid. And now I can now I can skip ahead right close to the start of the tomb. So if I needed to go back back there and fully heal, I could do that, but I am already fully healed. The, the echo the echo of ghastly ghastly horns suddenly fills the hall, starting you as you assume a battle ready stance. Prepare, prepared to face the unexpected. Out of the passage to the east emerges a group of four skeletons, clad in a combination of tattered soft leather armour and rusty chain mail. Each of these undead wields a spear, and upon seeing you, they move forward in unison, their weapons poised to strike. The tabard worn by each of these long dead soldiers bears an embroidered likeness of a dragon's head. You bravely fight the skeletal regiment. A whole regiment? Now that, now that, that's unfair. But I'm just I'm still taking them down easily. The skeletons thrust at you with their spears. I guess I'm going at the side and just chop, 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 chop. Yeah, that's what I did. They, I, I, that, mm, uh, well, I got them down anyway. I don't know how I got past all those spears, but I did. I guess I just put, got pushed them up out of the way and it smashing the head, pushing out the A, smashing the head, pushing them out of the way, smashing the head, something like that. Obviously, you can't really just, you can't, yeah, in its text space, you can't exactly describe what's happening, but got six experience points. You step over the shattered remains of the four skeletons, but prepare to continue on your way through the tomb. Alright, it looks like it's getting more dangerous now. The stale air here seems warmer for some reason. A long-legged spider clories on the ground in front of you. A sudden vicious snarl from the shadow stops you dead in your tracks. Three large hounds emerge from the darkness ahead. Their, their shaking, their decaying heads still affixed to watting necks that protrude from their worm-ridden torsos. The dogs rush forward gashing their barred, barred fangs as they prepare to make a meal out of the living. I fight three rotting hounds. Your sword hums as it cuts through the air. The hounds savagely tear at your flesh. Okay. 
18 experience points from them. With, with a pitiful howl, the final hound falls to the floor at your feet. Its head now severed from its rotting torso. You quickly step over the remains of the dogs and continue on your way. Yeah, they're de- they're de- he's, he's def- definitely the, they're sending the best at me now. Yes, yes, the, I desire to leave. No, I can't leave. I don't care, it's getting warmer. Hello, spider. You suddenly feel as if every move is being watched. As you step into this section of the passage, a tall skeleton clad in large, large suit of decaying plate armour rises up from a pile of bones and strides towards you, brandishing a heavy hammer. You suddenly realise this is the skeleton of an ogre. You stoically hold your ground as the undead ogre moves in and attacks. I'm fighting an armoured skeletal ogre. I fight, I fight. And, it, and it, there he goes. 34 XP. The remains of the skeletal ogre lie smashed about your feet. You're about to continue on your way when you suddenly decide to take a closer look at the hammer this undead creature was wielding. The closer inspection of the hammer reveals it to be an extraordinary weapon. It's Zudor's iron fist, magical. The head of this massive iron hammer is fastened to the shape of a gigantic closed fist. This weapon is of magical quality. I'm going to take this. Alright, I'm filling up my inventory. When you're finished here, you continue on your way through the tomb. As they just keep getting tougher. We've had some normal skeletons. And then we got those skeleton hounds. Now a skeleton ogre. What's next? What's it going to hold back? It's going to be lots of skeletons? Skeleton dragon? Skeleton troll? Skeleton professional soldiers? Oh, wait, we already had those. Yes. Skeleton spider, somehow. Yeah, I'll keep going. Oh, I'm nearly at the centre now. Uh, the rattle of chains and a mournful wail signals the arrival of a ghastly apparition. The pale green spirit rises through the floor before him. Its non-corporeal body garbled in a flowing robe, over which hangs a heavy set of iron-looking set of heavy-looking iron chains. The spirit raises its head. You find that you're staring into the body eyes of a middle-aged bearded man. The face of the apparition is badly decomposed. And covered with festering sores. So too shall you join us in the dark. It wails ominously. I fight a chained ghost. Yes. It's not Jacob Marley. Or it might have been. But I don't know any Jacob Marley. So it doesn't really mean anything. Even it is. The ghost savagely swings its heavy set of iron chains at you. Ooh, that's nasty. 
life gives you lemons, make lemonade. If life, if after life gives you heavy chains, throw them at people. <laughs> Apparently, you have slain your foe. Sixty-six experience points. Oh man, the XP goes up too. The ghost emits a final wail before disappearing into thin air. You pause for a few moments following your victory before once again setting off through the tomb. Okay, it goes west. This is the centre part. You're standing in a wide chamber with a high ceiling. The walls of this room are covered with carvings of hideous skeletal beings. Without exception, each of the carved skeletons is facing a tall stone arch set into the west wall. You note with some degree of interest that the skulls of skeletons carved into the wall bear a striking with bear a striking resemblance to the wooden mask you're carrying. Investigate the arch. The tall arch set set into the western wall of this chamber is decorated in much the same hideous motive as the west of this room. Gaunt skeletal faces carved into the stones make up the arts seem to stare back at you from as your eyes pass over them. Looking through the dreadful portal, you can see nothing but total darkness. Even your faithful light source doesn't seem to be able to penetrate the wall of shadow just beyond reach. You, as you stand, stand in front of the arts, you're suddenly beset with an overwhelming sense of dread. Step through the arch. Your surroundings change the moment you step beneath the arch. You find yourself standing at one end of a long, narrow stone corridor. Though you cannot see any source of illumination, the entire level hall is, is lit by a dim greenish light. Nearly 50 yards from where you now stand, the hall ends at a stone door. The stench of dread that you felt while, in, while standing before the arch is intensified. You can't help but believe you're in the presence of a powerful evil. You should equip the wooden skull mask before heading down the hall. Okay, that's in a grey box. I'm going to do that. I think if I don't, I will die very horribly. Okay. Step down the hall towards the stone door. You cautiously advance along the narrow corridor towards the stone door. You've gone less than ten yards when suddenly something takes hold of your foot. You look down and are horrified to discover that a pair of skeletal hands reached up through the solid door and taken hold of your left foot. As you struggle to free yourself from your assailant's vice-like grip, you note with mounting horror that hundreds of pairs of fleshless arms and hands began to protrude from the walls, floor, and ceiling of this passage. <sighs> In the midst of your struggle to free yourself from the skeletal hands that have clamped onto your foot, another pair of fleshless hands close around your white arm. Before you were able to react, the fingers of a third pair of skeletal hands dig into your left forearm. You are dragged to the floor, despite a valiant effort to maintain your footing. Suddenly... The wooden, wooden skull mask you're wearing emits a ghoulish squeak. You, you inst and instantly the skeletal hands that you 
that have bitten into your flesh or at least their grip. You stagger to your feet and watch in stunned silence as hundreds as the hundreds of pairs of skeletal arms and hands shooting through the walls, floor and ceiling of this passage suddenly and simultaneously withdraw. 64 experience to general. Bewildered, but thankful to survive such a ghastly encounter, you hurry along the remainder of the passage and arrive at the stone door. Good thing I was wearing that mask. Otherwise I would have been torn to pieces. The stone door at the end of the passage appears to be little more than an erect slab of stone. There are no visible hinges or latch latches on the makeshift on the on the heavy makeshift portal. You are filled with a new sense of dread as you stand before the door. Now I'm gonna put back on my better hat now. Attempt to open the door. You closely examine the large slab of stone that seals off this end of the passage and discover a small keyhole at its base, only a couple of inches off the ground. Alright, what, what could it be? The iron wand, perhaps? Well, I don't remember getting a key. I got the mask. The small copper key. Without warning, the stone slab shudders and begins to sink into the floor. Your body tenses as you assume a defensive posture before the rapidly vanishing portal. In a matter of seconds, the stone door has completely disappeared. Its top level edged, top edge level with the west of the floor. You, you peer into the darkness beyond, your eyes scouring the, the shadows for any sign of movement. A loud hiss erupts in the darkness, and through the shadowy void where the door once stood, strides a tall, robed skeleton, its eyes glow, glowing bright yellow. The skeleton shrieks as an unheaps of scurly screaming scar, banishing the weapon with an unnerving degree of skill. Yeah, I'm going to be fighting that. Uh, Alright, yeah. Loud hiss erupts in the darkness and through the shadowy void. Where the door once stood, stands a st stood strides a tall, robed skeleton, its eyes growing bright yellow. The skeleton shrieks and unleaps a rusty scimitar. His old banished weapon of an unleaving degree of skill. Stand your ground and attack the skeleton. The robed skeleton slashes you with a stroke worthy of a master wire. It's, it's purple. It's going to be a toughie. But is uh, yeah, I'm bring it down, bring it down. Oh, it's very slowly. The scales were slashes with the scimitar, and it, it's down, it's down. It's finally down. 35 experience points. I'm going to do a bit of healing now. 
The smashed remains of the skeletal warrior lie entwined about your feet. You quickly drop down and examine the pile of bones, but you do not discover anything interesting. With the now familiar sense of dread clawing at you, you pass over the space formerly occupied by the heavy stone portal and step into a long arched chamber. The moment you step in, into the chamber, a heavy stone slab drops from the ceiling, sealing off the doorway behind you. Of course it does. That always happens. Honestly, it's, it's rare to see a dungeon that doesn't seal you in. The sense of fear that has assailed your senses since entering the tomb is now stronger than ever. A foul, overpowering odour fills the womb, making your eyes water and nearly causing you to wedge. Suddenly, a soft greenish light floods the chamber, illuminating a terrifying scene. The light also reveals the reason for the nauseating odour and the source of your unshakable fear. Piles of bones and heaps of rotting flesh cover the floor of this chamber from wall to wall. The far end, over 50 yards from where you stand, you can make out a swirling black portal set against the wall. You are certain that this portal is a shadow path, a neville gateway used by involvement to move between this world and the shadowy never-realm of the neverness. Your heart skips several beats, and your entire body trembles involuntarily as a lone, hooded figure in flowing black robes emerges from the swirling portal and steps into the chamber. Your pulse quickens as you realise that you are now in the presence of the Vaughan Thrall. The, pow- the powerful and dead turns its head towards you and throws back its black hood revealing the rotting head of a man. The the eyes of this undead abomination are sewn shut, and long strands of black hair still cling to its decaying scalp. The foreign foul emits a glossal scowl, and raises his black cord hands in unison. Your heart races as you notice that several of the piles of bones and rotting flesh begin to move. For a pile of bones near the centre of the chamber rise three large skeletal beings. These hawking undead being figures pick up large bone fragments from the debris at their feet and begin stalking across the wound towards you, holding their makeshift clubs and poised to strike. As, as they draw closer, you determine these are the skeletons of forest trolls, now under the control of the Vorin Thrall. With little put choice but to fight for your life, you stand your ground and meet the attack of the undead trolls. You fight three skeletal trolls. They, the skeletal trolls club at me with large pieces of bone. I slash with my sword and I, I, I win. I, yay! 27 experience. The last of the skeletal trolls crashes to the ground at your feet. You quickly step over your the remains as you contemplate your next course of action. Gonna heal a bit, a bit more. Right. I, I really should have better healing. 
On the far side of the chapel room, next to the shadow gate, the volume foe snarls, raises its clawed, watting hands as it prepares to raise more of the dead in its chamber. You realise your only hope of survival is to somehow reach the Vaughan Thor and defeat it before you are overwhelmed by its risen undead minions. But you're gating all necromancy. But I, I have neither of those, so I just got to rush across the chamber. Leeway Jenkins! And all that. As you start across the chamber towards the Volan Vol, you encounter the power of aura fear surrounding this terrifying undead creature. Your knees begin to shake, and your breathing becomes shallow and ragged. Despite an overwhelming desire to turn and flee, you struggle on, attempting to overcome the aura of fear wielded by your enemy. It's a check now. 20 bonus. I've got to get 50 or more. Success! 8 experience, it was 93. Despite the overwhelming aura of fear projected by the Vaughan Vol, you manage to overcome your terror and make it across the chamber. As you approach the powerful undead creature, it snarls with rage and quickly retreats into a swirling shadow path. With a final snarl, the fearsome undead being steps into the swirling void and is lost from sight. Do I go after it, or do I remain where I am? I'm going to remain where I am. For several tense minutes, you remain in place, intently watching the shadow path for any sign of the fallen front of a Your vigilance is rewarded when suddenly the fallen floor re-emerges from the swirling portal. However, your heart sinks when you realise the undead horror is not alone. Hmm. There's probably a trap on the other side, because I'd definitely put one. Stepping through the portal with the Vormfall are six ghastly watting undead, clad in tattered leather tunics and rusted chainmail skirts. Shirts. Each of these walk. Walking corpses wields a rusted longsword, and it is with stunned disbelief that you note the emblazoned insignia still visible on the front of the imb- front of their tunics. It is the insignia of a Titian Border Rangers. You believe you may indeed be facing the six Border Rangers who disappeared while investigating Stoneback Hill three centuries ago. The first three Border Rangers rush forward and attack. I fight. The Border Rangers slash at you with their long swords. The the body of the third undead Border Ranger has barely stopped twitching. uh, 19 experience. When you are set upon by the remaining three, these undead assailants between particularly convenient Keen on avenging the defeat of their companions. No, no, don't avenge against me. I didn't turn you into no bad emotion. Avenge against the Thor and Thor. From Thor. Oh, look, I'm going to have to free your souls. There's, there's, okay. There's, they slash at me with their long swords. I slash with my longer sword. Well, I don't know if it's longer better. I've slain my foe. 
another 19 experience. The Vaughan growls, growls with rage as you step over the remains of the six border rangers. You are more determined than ever to see an end to this undead horror, here and now. But as you move towards your enemy, a ghastly wail from behind freezes you in your tracks. You spin around to face the source of the sound, completely unprepared for the sight that greets your eyes. Rising up from the heaps of carnage on the, f- on the floor are two dozen blue robed skeletal figures. These fleshless undead in their ragged blue robes begin slowly stepping through the piles of bones and what as they close in on you. Blue robes. You're horrified when you realise that these robed undead now stalking towards you are the monks of Stoneback Monastery who went missing on a cold autumn night nearly 300 years ago. The skeletal monks hiss and wail pitifully as they creep through the piles of death, intent on serving the will of their master by slaying the living within their misc. The undead monks are are moving to encircle you, but they are moving slowly enough that you feel may may be able to reach the Vaughan Fall before they have you surrounded. So I can I can fight these these monks or the Vaughan Fall. I'm going after the Vaughan Fall. Rush forward and attack the Vaughan Fall. The Vaughan Fall howls with rage and begins to raise its clawed hands as if to summon more undead. Before it completes complete the motion, you sleep forward and strike down its arms causing the unfearsome creature to momentarily recoil in shock. You stride forward, prepared to meet the Vorenfall in combat. The Vorenfall backs into a corner of the chamber as you approach. When it no longer has room to retreat, it snarls viciously and extends its razor-sharp black claws. A wave of intense fear passes for you, and it's all you can do to keep from turning and fleeing in the face of it. Suddenly, a loud clattering fills the chamber. You look over your shoulders and see hundreds of skeletons rising from the piles of bones that litter the, flo- litter the floor. The skeletons begin to hiss. They stalk across the chamber to the fence of their master. The volume of their combined voices a near deafening gale. Remembering that your only chance at survival is to destroy the Von Thrall, you summon your last ounce of courage and stride boldly forward to attack the ancient undead horror. I finally fight the Vaughan Fall. Begin combat. The Vaughan Fall strikes at you with its wayer sharp claws. An intense wave of dread washes over you. Your spirit is able to withstand the Vaughan Fall's awe of fear. Slicing with its claws, it's it's fear again. But my spirits, we've stood it. I keep fighting. It keep keep on fighting. Keep on fighting. We're clashing, clashing, clashing. Uh, or a fear again. But I withdrew. I withstood it. I'm still fighting. One, one more blow. And it is slain. Finally, finally slain. 133 experience points. 
with a final agonized snarl, the fallen fool staggers forward and collapses on the floor of the tomb. The ancient undead menace, many centuries departed from the world of the living, is no more. Suddenly realizing the death deadly hiss of Skeletal Legion has died to a mere whisper, you turn your uh, turn around and feast your eyes on a welcome sight, one by one, all around the bound the chamber. The fallen fools, wizard undead minions crumble to the ground, devoid of the will of the master, and spared from the torture of life after death. In a matter of moments, not a single skeleton remains standing in the long arch chamber. In the wake of the passing of Vonho, an eerie, almost unnatural silence has fallen over the tomb. With, with, your, foot, with your footfalls echoing loudly, the, the unnerving quiet, you move over to examine the creature's remains. You discover several items of interest amongst the belongings of the forever departed undead lord. I found a black stone wing. It's one S, one stamina point, one spirit. This wing has been carved out of a piece of black stone. Despite a few scratches, its surface bears no markings. A tattered scroll. Cryptic runic symbols cover the surface of this ancient piece of tarn- parchment. An engraving at the bottom of the scroll depicts a bowls of lightning surging forth from an open hand. That's a useful item. That can teach you a skill, or uh, like teach you a skill or power. Teach you a new power, or if you have all the ten normal powers. You get free, three NV, I think that is, and since permanent stat boosts are very hard to come by, that's what you usually do. A small leather pouch. You are delighted to discover that this small leather pouch contains a collection of various collection of gemstones. What what need the Vaughanville had for such things, you cannot guess. But you safely pouched us, safely stow the pouch away amongst your belongings, and the elixir of torment. This small vial contains a potent elixir, known as the elixir of torment. The results of of crafting this materially foul-tasting red liquid are unpredictable at best. It is recommended you save your game before taking a sip. Now that item. Raises one of your seven base stats by two. So it's very important you put that on the stat you want to rise. I think for me, I probably want to rise might. You're about to step away from the remains of the foul creature. We notice the top of an iron lid poking up through the pile of bones and carnage to your left. With curiosity outweighing caution... You quickly clear away the pile of rotting flesh to reveal a large wart iron chest. The heavy iron chest on the floor in front of you, covered with carvings that depict some sort of gruesome ritual. Many dozens of skeletal figures march towards a woe figure in the centre of the front panel of the chest. Its arms raised as he holds aloft what appears to be a large tome. 
you curiously note that the chest is actually a solid unit, with no visible separation between its lid and lower portions. Into the top of the lid are set a series of small, small square, square impressions. Your mind races as you begin to ponder what might reside in, within so protective of an enclosure. Looking at once more at the top of the chest, you believe that small, scrolling, small square stone questions must have something to do with opening it. If you do not request the replied item or items, you must abandon the chest, which is too heavy to carry with you and sealed by powerful magic not of this world. Yeah, this is your only chance to open this chest. So you better have got those small, those four cubes, and I have 128 experience in general. You place the small four stone cubes into the floor impressions on the top of the iron chest. For a moment, nothing happens. But then, without warning, the chest shudders, and the floor and the four stone cubes sink into the chest and become flush, flush with the top of the lid. Suddenly, the heavy iron lid separates into two halves and slides off, off the chest. Landing on the floor of the chest with a loud clang, you step forward and peer into the open chest. Filling nearly the entire interior of the chest is a large, worn, leather tome. The, the massive book appears to be very ancient, and upon its weathered cover is, is stitched in a thread, in thread of silver. Hideous, hearing, tedious, glaring skull. A well of five small impressions is set into the cover just above the silver threaded skull. The first of these impressions is fitted with a blake with a with an oblate black gemstone. An easing feeling comes over as you gaze down at the tome, and you find yourself instinctively drawn to the black gem set into the cover. Before you realise what you're doing, your hand reaches out and touches the cover of the tome, your finger coming to rest on the small gem. An icy pain stabs into your finger and shoots the length of your dart, when you suddenly withdraw your hand from the tome. The strange incident leaves you winded and winded and aching, but with a keen desire to firmly examine, further examine the weighty book, you reach in and retrieve it from the chest. Taking care to avoid open, touching the black gemstone set into the cover, you cautiously open the heavy leather tome and flip through its thick time-wall pages. You are surprised to find all the pages are empty! You realise... You realise that the tome is obviously of some of great importance in some manner, or would not have been protected in such such a manner. Despite the overall unsettling nature of the book, you feel it would be a stake not to take it with you. I've got the massive leather tome. This large, large worn leather tome appears to be very ancient. Its leather covered is adorned with a glaring silver, glaring skull stitched in silver thread, set into into the cor- corner in in a row above the skull are five small impressions, and a black black gem is set into the first impression. When you are ready, continue. You set about making your way out of this chamber.
You wind your way through, par- through the piles of carnage towards the spot where you first entered the chamber. Much to your relief, you discover that the doorway is no longer blocked by the heavy slab of stone that sealed you into the chamber upon entry. Despite the fact you have vanquished the Vaughan Fall, you realise you are still in danger the longer you remain in the ancient tomb. With that in mind, you decide to find your way out of this place as quickly as possible. You step through the doorway and move rapidly on the narrow passage belong beyond passing beneath the arch at the far end. You're standing in a wide chamber with a high ceiling. The walls, walls of this room are covered with carvings of hideous skeletal beings. Without exception, each of the carved skeletons is facing a tall stone arch set into the west wall. It is through that arch that you encountered and subsequently defeated the Volan Fall. You have no desire to pass through the arch again, neither will via the eastern exit. Now I'm, I'm back on the map. And I'm just making my way, spiralling out of the centre. Okay, this is a bit easy. It's made something to stop me. Alright, I'm going through that door I opened. And, oh, I'm nearly at the exit. And there it is. Climb the stairs and leave the tomb. You quickly climb the stairs and exit the tomb. You emerge from the tomb into the dim into the dim light and fresh air of early morning. The cheerful melodies of several nearby songbirds seem strangely out of place in the dim setting of an ancient graveyard. You move away from the entrance to the tomb and spend the next short while resting before you prepare to make a turn journey to Rithic to announce the success of your mission to Thane Bowend. Okay, I can rest here. I am fully healed. Please continue. As you near the crumbling wall that runs the perimeter of the summit of Stone Back Hill, you are suddenly startled by a voice from behind. As you turn around, you realise all is not white. The hair on the back of your neck stands up as you behold a familiar face. Standing only a dozen yards from you, along with five armed men in leather armour, is Trungar, the advisor to Thane Prowend, who first concluded that it was a von Vol that stalked, that hunted the stump, haunted the stomach, the summit of Stoneback Hill. Trungar smiles and bows deeply. The five men around him spread out at his side, their hands gripping the hilts of longswords slung from their belts. The curse of Stoneback Hill lifted forever! Glass Tungar, the infection in his voice making the sediment seem something, anything but genuine. I must say, fine work! Fine work indeed, Zoop! So ever a pity that our good Thane shall have to hear that you perished at the hands of the creature you were sent to slay, which will mean, of course, that the curse on this ground remains. Very real. You've been to ask Tungor what, what his business is here, and what he means by the words he's just spoken. But he cuts you off mid-sentence and continues speaking. Tungor continues speaking as his men move to slowly encircle you. 
He learned that he is the leader of the band of highwaymen who have launched raids on travellers and merchants moving along the forest roads in the vicinity of Stormac Hill. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, those people. He and his men have used the hill as a staging grounds for these raids. The legends of the curse made certain no one would likely expect or be foolhardy enough to come in search of the location of their encampment. You also learn... Learn that when his men took to robbing the graves atop the hill, unbeknownst to him, they unwittingly unearthed an ancient Voranifim tomb, and thus the lair of the fallen fall was laid bare. The creature slaughtered five of my men on its own, and its undead minions took another another five before the West had the sense to flee, he says, his eyes intently watching your every move. As I told you before, I am not particularly fond of dealing with the undead, but you have seen to it that I don't have to. Owing to your victory here, our staging grounds are safe, and for that I extend to you our deepest gratitude. As Tungo's men continue to encircle you, your mind begins to wait as you contemplate a course of action. Realise that Tungo intends to kill you here, concealing your victory over the Voran Fall from fame purent, so that he and his bandits may continue to operate with, with impunity from a hillside protected by an age-old curse, curse that will be given new life when it is falsely learned that you have perished in the tomb atop Stoneback Hill. Suddenly, Tungar reaches up and takes hold of an orange amulet that from, from that thin iron chain around his neck. Oh, and Gorshu, as you realise, this is the exact replica of the amulet that he gave you at the outset of your mission. The amulet, the, the amulet you are still carrying! Chungar's amulet glows brightly, and the amulet, amulet in your possession suddenly explodes, sending razor-sharp fragments of stone into your flesh. So I'm just going to heal that up. And it's healed. Yeah, you have to try better than that. Tungar nods, and the five men now encircling you close in rapidly, their long swords poised to cut you down at their leader's behest. I could flee, but obviously I'm going to stand my ground and fight Tungar's men. The first two of Tungar's men drew to within melee range, and you move, move, move forward to boldly meet their attack. Two swordsmen. I'll subdue my enemy. The men slash with swords. I my slash with my sword. The swords all around. Swords all around. Ten XP. The first of Trungor's men slumped to the ground at your feet, having been rendered senseless by your brutal, brutal attack. You step past their unmoving forms and focus on the traitor on his remaining fronts. Cut him down, goes Trungor. His eyes fixed on the contest unfolding before me. He is but a man. He'll bleed and die as well as any other. The two advancing men nod at each other and rush forward to simultaneously attack. Stand your ground and fight them. Tungo wars his approval as the two sword wielders launch his furious assault on you. Subdue your enemy. The men slashing you with their long swords... I slash with my better sword. <laughs> slashy, slashy, slashy. Subdued your foe. 
18 experience points. The la as the last of Tongo's five men draws to within melee range, you much much dismay that his that that the base of his blade bears the insignia of Fame Pyrrhon. The 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 man wields his sword with a great deal of skill. He only summarizes he must be a mercenary in the service of the Fame, who is also in league with the treacherous Chongar. The man says nothing as he manoeuvres to make his first strike. But in his cold stare, you sense a calculating, single-minded purpose of a trained killer. Engage this man in combat. From several yards away, Tungo watches the brutal contest, his heavy broadswords drawn, the flat of his blade resting across the palm of his hand. You know, you probably should help Tunga, because you're next. After this guy's done, you're next, and there will be no one to help you. Skilled Swordsman, I'm going to subdue this one. My weapon lays a savage blow upon the enemy for eight damage. The man satisfies you with the expert stroke of an accomplished warrior. Yep, it's keep keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting, and he and and, and he falls down. Thirty four experience points. The last of Togor's men topples over and strikes the ground hard. He has been severely battered. And though he will ultimately survive the brutal punishment sustained at your hand, he shall never again wield his weapon with such a degree of arrogance. I should not have been so cold as to think an accomplished slayer of the undead would have trouble with a few roughnecks, he says as he closes in. No matter, though, for you are about to receive a rather painful lesson in the art of combat. May the old father make your suffering brief. Without another word, Tonga strides forward to attack. Faced his battle-hearted warrior in combat, indeed. Tonga pauses his advance briefly just beyond melee range and seems to mutter a brief prayer before rushing forward, his broadsword cutting the air in a series of expert strokes. Begin combat with Tonga, the traitorous traitor who commits treachery. Traitorous treason in a treasonous way with treachery. Lots of treason. I'm going to subdue his enemy. The thane shall decide your fate, good sir. You will probably prefer it if I had just slain you. He slashes with his broadsword. I slash with my sword. Spoosh! Squish! Squish! And he falls down. 67 experience points. At last, battered into submission, Chungor drops to his knees and then pitches forward. He says, striking the ground with a alarming force, rendering him unconscious. You quickly bind him to the unmoving forms of his men, using a rope you find amongst his possessions. Elated by your victory and thankful to survive such a brutal conflict, 
You carefully search through the belongings of Trungor and his five men. You discover the following things you may take. 15 gold, 25 gold, 62 gold, 316 gold, 167 gold. And some long swords, five sturdy long swords. I'll take as many of these as I can carry. Heavy broadswords. This heavy broadsword was once owned by Chungar. The traitor is advisor to Fane Bond. It's a weapon of sturdy quality. Oh, oh, I managed, oh, I managed to carry all of them. I, I didn't expect that. When you finish going through the items, you set off on your return trip. Return trip to Trithic. Your descent from the summit of Stoneback Hill takes a little over an hour. When you reach the base of the hill, you crouch just inside the edge of the tangled thicket of laurel and survey your surroundings. Lest any remnant of Troger's men to be loitering about the area. I guess if there are, they've ran away and hopefully they've decided to go straight. Because otherwise they will meet up with me at some point. And I might not be merciful that time. When you are certain that the way is clear, you move away from the base of the hill and, and out onto the forest heading south to Twithing. You've only been walking along the road for a few minutes when the sound of a wagon approaching from the north reaches your ears. You step off into the brush at the side of the road and wait its arrival. A few minutes later, the covered wagon rose by, escorted by two armed men on horseback. The two, the two men sit on the buckboard of the wagon, one holding a long, long-handled axe across his lap, the other smoking a fanciful pipe. Surmising this is a merchant on his way to Swithick, he emerged from the woods and politely asked them for a ride to the city. The armed men on horseback seemed quite sceptical of your sudden appearance, but once it is determined you have honest intent, the man smoking the pipe, those wagon it is, happily offers to give you the ride you asked for. You thank him and climb aboard the wagon as it lurches forward and resumes the trek to Twithick. During the ride, the owner of the wagon, a man who introduces himself as Twiddledoe, tells you he's transporting part of the, his valuable paleo harvest to Mark and Twithy. He tells you that even with his armed guards, he was somewhat worried about the safety of the roads through the forest, having heard of the recent rash of raids upon travellers passing through the area. Well, it's no doubt... By, by the guiding hands of the Allfather, that we've made it through these parts unscathed. Perhaps these might highway men have moved on to better pickings elsewhere. You can't help but smirk as you lean back on your perch on the barkboard and stretch your hands out from behind your head, out behind your head, with the pale merchant Tridlow passing away in your ear. You settle back to relax on what is the final leg of the wagon ride to Twithick. When you are while in Twithick, you bid Trilladon and his men farewell, and make your way through the crowded streets to Twindkeep. Upon your arrival, you are immediately escorted to the Thane's private chamber. As you step into the room, Thane Prorind rises from behind a table, 
table strewn with charts and maps, and strides over to meet you with his shoulder cross. On top of taking note of a condition, Thane Bryant immediately calls one of the healers in his surface, who dutifully attends to your wounds. I pray for your safe return, Zoop, and I praise the All-Father that, that, that he would have you standing here before me yet again. Seems that you must bear news of the matter at hand. Here, let us let us sit, and you may give me a full account. You relate your experience on Stonepack Hill in its entirely, in its entirety. Thane Broy listens intently to your description of your adventure atop Stoneback Hill, your descent into ancient into the ancient Vorlithian tomb, and your hard-fought victory over the Vorn form in the heart of its shadowy lair. When you arrive at the part of the sto- story that details the treachery of Tungar, an angered expression passes over your famous face, and he, and he swiftly rises from his feet, from his seat. Treacherous snake! He roars. Thane Paul's waves subsides somewhat when he asks, when he asked you to wait, asked you to wait, to wait. To relate to him in detail your encounter with Chunga. When you tell him that you have managed to leave Chunga alive, bound to the bodies of his men atop Stoneback Hill, he nods approvingly but continues to shake his head in disbelief. Thane tells you that he will send a band of his best men to round up Chunga and his outpost. I shall request that he be brought to me alive, no matter if he dies, though, for there is for there is no quarter to be given to traitors in the halls of Twinned Keep. For a good while you sit in the Thane's chamber, graciously accepting the, the praise that he, he leaps upon you and listening intently to his words, which seem to foreshadow the promise of adventure in, in the days and weeks to come. I, I have need of someone of your skill. Though I would not be so far as to assume one, one of your remarkable abilities does not have many other pressing matters to attend to. That having been said, I ask that you not make yourself a stranger about Twin Keep. The Fane insists that you stop by from time to time, for you will likely have several tasks on which you will seek your assistance. Alas, content with your victory, happy to put the matter of stone back. Stoneback Hill behind you, you bid Thane Ponder farewell, and set out from Twin Keep onto the teeming streets of Twithick. Congratulations, Zoop, through your efforts, the legendary curse of Stoneback Hill has at last been laid to rest, and a dangerous traitor has been moved from Thane Ponder's surface. 2,048 experienced to general... 128 experience to all skills and powers. In the months that follow your mission, King Gwynwald of Treasure strikes down the 300-year-old decree that made Stoneback Hill forbidden ground. With the decree no longer in effect, efforts are soon, on, soon underway to restore the old graveyard on the summit. The end. You have reached the end of the secret of Stoneback Hill. Okay, I'm gonna west. Now I th- I'm gonna I'm gonna go off and meet the Thane again. Four guards stand before the gates of Twinned Keep. As you approach the gates, one of the guards politely inquire about your business only at the keep. Request to see Thane Proend. 
Wilson requests his carried by messenger to keep and in a few short minutes that's before the messenger returns with words that the Fane wishes to see you at once. The guards open the gates and allow you to enter. Once you are past the gates you are met by another guard who promptly escorts you to the Fane's private chamber within the keep. Thane Poland rises from behind a long cutter table and meet and greets you with a shoulder cross. As you step into the chamber, he then offers you a mug of fleshly blue palo and a seat beside the fire. You graciously accept the offer and take a seat next to the crackling fire. I've nearly forgot, says Thane Poland suddenly, between his feet. I've been meaning to present you with something. It's a token of my gratitude for your service. Follow me, would you? Thane Pollard leads you out this chamber, down several twisting flights of steps, and through a tall stone arch into a high-walled courtyard. You follow me across the courtyard and up to up to the heavy wooden door of a small tower situated in the northeast corner. A thin swell of smoke rises from a chimney that runs up one side of the structure. This tower was once once part of the old keep, he says, you outside on the door. It has, it has served as a watchtower in days past, yet for many years it has been a residence here on the grounds of the keep. It was most recently occupied by Tungor. I trust that you have little difficulty recalling that treacherous snake. The tower door spring, swings open and the two men and women emerge from it. Their grubby attire and their grime laden faces bearing witness to what has been a morning of terror. All has been done as you ask me, Lord, says one of the men, as all three of the serpents bow deeply to disdain. We scoured it from top to bottom. It's white and ready for the good sir. The thane commands and then dismisses the servants, and it proudly ushers you into the tower. The tower's interior is much less stark than its outward appearance would suggest. A crackling fire in a grand... Fireplace casts its flickering light off, off in a well-appointed sitting room, and several stacks of stacks, stacks of stacks of old books. A staircase winds about the floor of this tower and ascends through through the ceiling to a second level. The sleeping quarters are above," says the thing. To pass on this order, I have no doubt that that you will be most comfortable here. If there's anything you should need, of course, you are to let me know. These quarters are yours now, Zoop. I hope it's to your liking. Stunned by a generous gift, you heartily thank the Thane, brave his hand in, dismi- in dismissal of Gatu. It's certainly the least I can do to repay the favour done on my behalf, he says, as he makes his way to the door. I can think of no one more deserving of it than you, friend. Before you can respond, the Thane has exited the tower, closing the door behind himself and leaving you alone in your newly appointed quarters. You are in your private quarters on the ground of Twinned Keep. A blazing fire, a, a crackling fire blazes in the grand fireplace, casting its flickering light off a well-appointed sitting room. And several stacks of old books. Staircase winds about the tower and ascends through the ceiling to your sleeping quarters. Small windows on all sides of the tower look up across a, a wide, high, high-walled courtyard. I'm going to going to save there, and we are done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.